1: Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: Welcome to the No Name Never podcast. There's going to be some people talking about stuff on Skype. It might be a bit crackly, but the quality of what they're saying is really good. So just open up your log holes. Hey up, it's the No Name Never podcast with your host, Jamie Smith.
2: Good evening and welcome to tonight's show. My guests this evening James Bird, Robbie Kopak, Ian Creamer, Richard Cunliffe, and Thomas Turner. Um, It's a Michael Duff special No Name Never podcast tonight. Michael Duff was 36 on Saturday um, when we played at Yeovil, so we'll have a special Michael Duff quiz later in the show, so if you are listening, you need to be revising your Michael Duff knowledge, extending back into the darkest recesses of your memory for all your Michael Duff info. But we will start the show by looking back to Saturday's performance. Should we stay second in the table a few points back on Leicester City? Ian, you were there at Yorville for us at the weekend. What did you make of on performance? Was it a deserved win for the Clarence?
1: Oh definitely, yeah I think they were very comfortable um seen that a few people have said on the various uh message boards that uh will never really looked like. They thought that they could beat us. I think that's probably true uh until about the last ten minutes when uh a rather unfortunate goal for them uh went in and they kind of uh started pinging the ball forwards and the keeper went up for corners and all those things you might expect to see that was the only time really the crowd got behind them and um the uh, the team looked like they had a bit of belief that they could uh, they could do something against us. But apart from that, I thought we were pretty much in control. It was a, a dodgy pitch, a lot of bobbles, um, which may or may not explain uh, Shackle giving the ball away every time he uh, he tried attempted a pass. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean we we could have been three or four up to be honest, easily uh, by uh, by the last ten minutes of the game.
2: We created plenty of chances, didn't we? That was one of the most important things for me. I think we're over a little mini-slump, as old Dyche called it, and the, the slightly inconsistent form of Christmas. That's back-to-back league wins to the start of the year. Um, and one of the good signs for me at the moment is that we've come under a lot of pressure in the last two games, Huddersfield and Jovo, um, conceding goals, but also managing to see the games out. So I, th- I think that's really positive. Um, were you always quite confident, Ian, that we were going to see the game out then, or was the Yorval pressure a bit concerning at the end?
1: it it was a bit concerning and and i think probably particularly so cuz it was down the other end you couldn't really see um exactly what was happening but um you yeah, we were getting the heads on the ball we we're getting you know players in front of, of shots and so on reasonably comfortably to be honest with you um but you know you get in that situation where there's corners being pinged in and as i say all 11 the oval players are in the box including the keeper all um you know going for it and you you're bound to be a bit worried but uh, overall, I felt like you know it would have been a travesty if we hadn't taken all three points. To be honest,
2: James, we'll come to you now since you've you've joined us with your your presence after a slightly late arrival for the nine hour podcast. Um, you did make it silver this weekend, did you? But are you always quite confident that we're going to win the game. That's the sort of fixture that we really need to make sure we get three points from if we're going to be up there at the end of the season, isn't it?
3: Um, yeah, I think it was pointed out there's a, a lot of games this season where they failed to score at home. Um, I know early doors, they did give a few teams uh, a tough game there, but um, they are really the type of team, if, you, if you're if challenging, you see them as sort of a, almost a gimmick that you should uh, you should win those ones.
2: Well, Burnley completed the double over the Oval, of course, after we beat them 2-0 at home earlier in the season. Um, I think The Oval were probably a little bit unlucky in the first game. I think it took a a Keith Tracy cross come shot to open the scoring. And they probably got revenge for that slightly fortunate goal when um, their goal was also a cross that ended up going in. Um, Robbie, we'll come to you next. Um, the Yorville game then, was that the sort of match that you do agree with James that we need to be winning those games if we are going to be up there at the end of the season? You normally know think like winning at home and drawing away is going to be good enough, don't you? But Yorville are down there, so beating them is, is important, isn't it?
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Whenever you've even towards the bottom three, you've got to look and just say, Yeah, we've got to get three points out of these games. No excuses.
2: And Thomas, your first time on the podcast today, welcome to the show. Um, Yorville, not particularly strong opposition, are they? Uh,
5: no, I think we've had kind of the odd result this season where they've come out um, quite welcome games, but I think overall. I think when you get to a point when you're halfway through the season, if you're down there, it's probably because you deserve to be so. Um, so, yeah, I was quite happy with the win. I think a lot of people thought that it was the type of game that Burnley teams of old might have gone there and kind of you kind of struggled through to get a point. So I think it kind of shows a lot of like what you were saying about the consistency. We would come away with three points.
2: It was important as well, wasn't it, um, Rick, coming to you your first time on the podcast as well. Two newbies on the Non-Ever podcast today. Rick, um, I thought it was... It, Interesting for me that both goals came from Burnley's pressing in midfield, which was something that over Christmas, I don't think it was as evident as it was earlier in the season. Do you think um, maybe a little bit of a break is going to allow us to start in that sort of football again, snapping into tackles in midfield?
6: I just lost you there then, Jamie, just right at the end. What did you say regarding...
2: Um, They've had a little bit of a break, haven't they? With not playing twice a week for the last couple of weeks, so... Does that mean that the midfield can get back to that pressing game that maybe wasn't quite there a few weeks ago?
6: Yeah, I think a, a break does the team, you know, world of good. Um, it, it helps with fitness and you can obviously get all the players playing the right way and like the way that Darch wants them to play.
2: I think the fitness is extremely important to the the style that the manager wants us to play. Ian, we'll come back to you. Um, What did you make of the the atmosphere altogether at Yorville? It's a bit of an old-school ground, really, isn't it? It's not the sort of place Burnley gets to go to very often these days. indeed our first trip ever to Hewish Park.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, it was um, it was like going back to the '80s or something. It was uh, it was funny um, to uh, air to stand up, which is which was great fun. Um, but everybody just seemed to buy into the, the whole um, the whole kind of joy of being there and, and being on an open terrace uh, behind the girls, You know, the uh, the old songs were coming out. There was a lot of umbar baring going on. And there, were, there were a lot of people that had quite a few pints on the way down. I have to say as well, which <laughs> I can imagine
2: uh, may or may, may not. It's a fair old journey, isn't it? So you need. It is, it.
1: yeah. We had uh, had one person jump onto the pitch and have a bit of a run around, um, which you know, obviously we couldn't condone, but uh, just added to that feeling of being uh, of going back twenty or thirty years, and and a great laugh between the uh, the people standing behind the goal, which is where I was, and the people seated in the stand. Uh, with lots of, you know, who are yous and uh, seeing when you're winning, chants going at each other. Uh, you know, Burnley fans it's, singing at Burnley fans. Good fun, good fun all around us.
2: Not very often at an away game, you've got Burnley fans in two different stands, is it? So that must have been a, a curious, curious event, really. You've got to mention as well the fantastic away support again. I think Burnley were the third most heavily supported away following, if that makes sense. We had Um, as many fans as everyone still isn't making any sense our away following on saturday was the third biggest in the division i think that's right Uh, we took about 1700 people down to Yovo, which was outstanding really when you consider how far it is to go on a saturday but i'm sure part of that was the fact that we've never been there before so people were ticking it off on their list and one final point on yorville lenny and before we move on um, Michael Duff's 36th birthday he's playing as well as ever isn't he another good display on Saturday
1: he looked really solid to be honest with you um, I think you know he's just one of those players who just gets something in front of the ball every time um, and uh, you know really the the defence just looks so much more solid when he's there really does I, I know people have been saying you know he's he's playing like he's He's 26, and it's absolutely true. I just think he looks as fit as a proverbial butcher's dog, and uh, just you know, as good as ever. So it's, uh, it's it it's was a great, great to lad have
2: him as in well. He's a great mm-hmm. lad as well, Michael Duff. I, I love his, his bio on Twitter. It says "head a ball for a living," which <laughs> pretty, pretty much sums up his contribution to the Burnley side. One final final point, actually, um, the performance of Daniel Lafferty was much improved after a couple of years. Deputizing for Ben Me. What did you laugh to see on Saturday? Ian? Thought,
1: thought he looked a lot better. He looked more solid. Um, he was getting forward well, um, but also I think he, um, he you know, he, he kind of knew his place. He knew that he needed to to defend when he had to defend. They were trying to get people forward on that side. They'd probably seen that that was a weakness in in previous weeks, but I think he uh, he seemed to put in a yeah a much improved performance compared to the last few times I've seen him play.
2: I think we've talked about this on the podcast and the blog a few times, but if you can merge um, players, if you can merge Lafferty's attacking and Ben Mee's defending, you'd probably have the best left-back in the league. So it's a shame that that's yeah. not possible. Um, but yeah, an excellent away win for Burnley. Our first away, in, away victory in the league since October, actually. So really important to get that under our belts, and hopefully it will be another good result on Saturday when Sheffield Wednesday, the other visitors to turf on the back of their 6-0 win. Yes, a 6-0 win over Leeds United. Um, we'll leave you over there and I There's some breaking news actually coming in if you are listening to the podcast live this morning. Chris won the Ballon d'Or for 2013, an expected result. He beat up competition from Lionel Messi, Frank Ribéry and Danny Ings, who was amazingly not on the shortlist. Maybe next year, Danny Ings. Uh, We will move on from the now, um, that 2-1 win at the weekend, and move on to the signing of Ashley Barnes, a signing who uh, we tried to get done in the summer, but Brighton weren't willing to let him go. But Sean Dash always made him the number one priority, and Barnes has been speaking to the press in the last couple of days about his signing, Adam, you've got the quotes from Barnes there, have you? I, I have. Um, if you can read the bits through your biscuits.
7: No, no, I finished now. I scuffed <laughs> it down because I knew it was coming. Um, he said, I am happy to sit on the bench. No complaints. The lads have been fantastic, but I'm happy to be the third man and play a part whenever I can. Oh, that rhymed. Uh, I am here to push them on and help them to score more goals. The two strikers are working so well together and I can be the third one to help them both.
2: And there we are. I thought those comments were a bit interesting, really. I mean, Barnes must be aware that he's covered primarily, at least until the end of the season, when we all expect Danny Hings to move on. Um, but to, to lay out the reality in such plain comments that he's quite happy to be third choice, I thought it was... Maybe a little bit unusual, but I'm sure it'll be very useful. Um, we'll come through the panel and see what everyone thinks about the Ashley Barnes signing. Also, if you are listening, um, pl- please do join in with your comments and we'll get them read out as well. It's always a better show when we have lots of comments. And if you're listening through Twitter, use the hashtag NNMPod and we will get those read out. James Bird, we'll start with you. Ashley Barnes, what do you make of that signing? Are you pleased we got that one over the line?
3: Uh, well, I, haven't, I haven't seen a huge amount of Ashley Barnes, but I mean, from what I have seen, he looks like... Uh you know, a very capable person to have have on the bench and, you know, looking forward if perhaps we don't get promoted, you'd maybe think that Danny Ings would move on in the summer and you'd probably say we've got a, a replacement lined up. Um it looks like it was one that Daesh wanted to get done for quite a while. So um you know it's definitely good to see that he's eventually managed to get get someone he was looking for.
2: I think there's definitely an element of forward planning, um assuming that, that Ings is gonna move so if we don't get promoted it's really good to see ahead for that and they've got um, a contingency plan almost but again we must stress that Barnes will definitely have a part to play between now and the end of the season so we'll be looking forward to seeing the impact he can have um, Robbie we'll come to you on Barnes then are you, are you happy with Barnes signing or do you think maybe there was somebody else out there that we could have gone for no I'm
4: happy with the Ashley Barnes signing um, I mean I noticed that Sylvain Evans Blake has got injured again at Ipswich and a lot of people were a bit disappointed that we didn't sign him and it kinda of shows that we have gone for the correct target in Ashley Barnes. Um it's worth saying that there's um a video of Ashley Barnes on Seagull's players, like a tribute video, what's well worth a watch. It kinda of suggests what kind of player he is if anyone wants to watch that. Which is pretty good.
2: We'll get um we'll get Adam to find that video actually and post it on the on the live chat so you can have a look at it. I've seen a couple of clips of him actually from his Brighton days and he, he looks like he's got good touch, good strength, he's got good pace. He looks like a pretty good all-round player who can probably deputise for either of our two strikers. So looking forward to seeing how he gets on. Um, Thomas, what do you make of Ashley Barnes? Any thoughts on him? Thomas, are you there? I think Thomas's connection's gone a little bit wrong. How about you, Rick? What do you make of Ashley Barnes?
6: Yeah, I mean, like James said, I've, I've not really seen uh, a terrific amount of Barnes, but I've been reading um, the thoughts of the uh, Brighton Hove Albion fans on various message boards, and they're quite sorry to see him go. Um, his goal-scoring record is is relatively impressive. I think he's played 100-odd games and scored maybe 40 goals, something like that, from, from the research that I've done. Um, but yeah, three-and-a-half-year contract and... It, it signals a little bit of intent from from Dash that, you know, we want to push on and get promoted. And as with Barnes's comments in the media as well, he feels that we're the right place to uh, to get to the Premier League. So yeah, very happy.
2: He looks like a good profile, doesn't he? And he's he's young, but he's got some experience of this league, so he knows his way around. God, a reasonable amount goals. He's got records about one in three, one in four, so it's not it's not too bad. Um, what sort of impact do you expect from Barnes then, Ian?
1: Yeah, I mean, he only came on for a few minutes at, at Yorval. Uh, I don't know a lot about him. Looks like he's, um, you know, I've, I've heard him uh, described as a bit of a hybrid of uh, of the Vings uh, partnership. He could be, you know, could play. I think quite often for Brighton, from what I'm hearing. So I think it's it's great. I mean, the bottom line was we desperately needed somebody to um, to fill a gap if either of the the two front lads got injured. Um, so you know, uh, not not obviously not just any old warm body, but he looks like he's going to be a guy who could who could fit into uh, into either of those roles. It was quite a funny moment on Saturday actually when um, uh, the lads were all warming up um, before the match and uh, the the team was being announced and. Uh, Uh, Barnes' name was was read out and uh, the the fans and all of the other Burnley players stood around him also joined in with the applause. Uh, think you looked really embarrassed about the whole
2: thing, to be honest with you. But uh, yeah, it's a good chuckle. Good laugh. I think he's he's exactly the right sort of profile. I I was a little bit disappointed that Naki Wells ended up going to Huddersfield Town. I thought he would have been an outstanding signing, but maybe he would have been a little bit out of our our price range, I think, I've, I've read somewhere saying that Wells' fee could be as much as £2.25 million, including all the add-ons. So maybe Wells would have been pushing the boat out a little bit, but I'm sure Huddersfield would make plenty of money on him, and he scored the winner for them at the weekend, so immediately started paying off that fee. We've had a couple of comments already from people who are listening to the podcast live this Monday night. Um, Paul says, Ashley Barnes could be 2014's Tomo, assuming mean Stephen Thompson, let's hope so, he says he's a good agent, he'll only get better and Ganks has been on as well, he says, Barnes is good signing, not that they need it, but it will help keep Ings and votes on their toes, and he's got plenty of potential as well. Um, so, yeah, actually, Barnes, we're all looking forward to seeing how he gets on. Um, the thing with Barnes as well, he's quite comfortable playing on the left of a front three, so perhaps we could see all three strides at some point. That would be pretty interesting to keep an eye on. Um, but Dash does seem quite firmly wedded to his 442. So maybe that won't be something we'll see very often. Anyway, Ashley Barnes, we'll leave that one there for now. Um, it is a Michael Duff special on the Known and Never Podcast. You've just joined a Duff, 36 years old, on Saturday for the Oval game. And we are going to have a special Michael Duff quiz later in the show. So get revising your Michael Duff knowledge. And we will do that a little bit later in the podcast. Um, a little bit of news today actually was that Ryan Noble um, has left Burnley, he signed a six-month deal in the summer and that elapsed and he's gone to join Gateshead so stepping down a couple of levels and in fact going into non-league so the signing of Ryan Noble didn't exactly work out for the club, it made just two substitute appearances, both in injury time, both home games actually against Yeovil and West Ham United but Noble no longer a Burnley player, no goals for the club. Um, I'm not sure we're going to miss him that much, but it does mean we can't do the Barnes and Noble line that everyone was so looking forward to doing. Um, James, what do you make this Noble deal? I've, I've read various reports that he signed for them, and also that it's a loan deal. It's not really clear what's going on with Ryan Noble, I don't think.
3: Um, I think the, the confusion just comes, because he's only on a 12-month deal with us anyway, so... Uh, effectively i think we've just given him away for the the remainder of the season um i think he looks like one where where Dyche has taken someone on um you know he's he's clearly got a little bit about him to have you know to have been where he he has been um just to sort of see how he developed and it, it looks like obviously that's not paid off and he clearly doesn't like what he's seen he's it's, he's uh, it's probably been quite a low cost experiment so I don't think we've really lost out much but um it is a shame to see one that, that hasn't really paid off. It was certainly a punt,
2: wasn't it? I think we we had an article from a Sunderland fan on the site when Noble signed. He said he's got ability, but um, the character and the attitude isn't quite there. So um, it's not really fair to speculate. Maybe the answer to the Noble mystery is in there somewhere. Um, Thomas, Noble, it's a funny one, isn't it? What do you think went wrong there?
5: Um, I mean, I, I was kind of just going to echo what you said about the Sunderland family being on the site. Um, I have a friend who's a Sunderland family said like very much the same thing, um, that the team glimmers of what he can do and he looked like a good prospects. And then at other times he looked like he was you know, fairly disinterested. Um, I'm not sure that we can kind of look too much into kind of the Daesh's judgment from it anyway. I mean, we've had some howlers over the past few, you know, few years. We kind of joined an illustrious list of Van der Sharp and Guerrero. Um, so I, I think it was just one of those. It was a pun. I don't think it's a particular
2: high-cost one. Um, so I think we can live with it, really. No, I'm sure it, it was a low-expense signing, but the, th- the thing for me is that um, even if it's only a little bit of money that we've wasted on, know, it could have gone towards someone who was going to have an impact. And so we do seem to be still making these signings. Like the, the several goalkeepers that we've brought in and some of these players who were very unlikely to sign uh, to make more than a handful of substitute appearances, and I'd much rather that we focus our results on players we're actually going to contribute. But, yes, Ryan Noble leaving the club today um, on loan, according to James Bird but I have some reported by the BBC that he's joined them permanently, so we will try and clear that up, but it's it's not really clear what's going on with Ryan Noble. Um, Rick, Ryan Noble, did you even notice in being a Burnley player we're not going to miss him at all, are we?
6: Uh. No, I mean, from his couple of cameo appearances, I don't think he would really noticed that he was even part of the set But I actually sent a tweet to Chris Borden when uh, he announced the news, and I just said it's a bit of a fall from grace. From, I mean, I don't know how close to the Sunderland side that he was, I mean, whether it was on the fringes or not, but then to, uh, to Burnley and then all the way down to non-league. But as you suggested, I mean, we probably should have focused more on bringing one of our own youth players up uh, on the bench, uh to supplement the squad rather than spend money on somebody that we uh, have essentially given away now. But I guess it's one of those signings that if it paid off we'd have probably looked at Dash and thought, yeah, that's actually a pretty good bit of business, but it hasn't and it has to move on to
2: I think looking back with hindsight it was obvious quite early on that Dash decided Noble wasn't up to it. I remember being at York for the, the Capital One Cup game and um, we were 2-0 up and cruising in the second half, and Noble was on the bench, and you think this is the ideal situation, to bring on a young player, have a look at him, see if he's got anything about him, and he didn't bring Noble on. So I think from then it was an indication that he didn't really trust Ryan Noble. Um, if you've just joined us, Ryan Noble's joined Gateshead, normally Gateshead dropped out of the football league completely, so it will be worth keeping an eye on his career to see if he can manage to... Prove that he's got some talent somewhere along the line because he's struggled so far. He's got a lot of goals for Summerland in in their reserve teams and youth teams. I know a few Summerland fans who wanted him to get a chance in the first team at one point, but there were rumours that he wasn't applying himself properly in training, he wasn't following the manager's instructions and he never got that chance. So his opportunity at Burnley looks like it's gone much the same way. Um, Rick made a good point there actually about... um, using our own young players rather than gambling on others. And it was interesting to see at the weekend that Wes Fletcher scored again for York in League 2 and Dominic Knowles was on the score sheet for birth, I think, in League 2 as well. Two former players that we let go, who are now scoring goals in the football league, so maybe we should have retained one of those and tried to develop them. Um, Ian, we'll- Come to you finally then on Ryan Noble before we move on to somebody else. Have you got any thoughts on the, the Ryan Noble situation? The Ryan Noble saga, because I think we're bound to start <laughs> referring to it at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, never saw him play. Um no real idea why we why we signed him. I guess it's just one of those, as somebody said earlier, a low cost gamble. Um it does make you wonder sometimes. I mean, we've got yeah, you know, uh like people like Harrison, for example, I know he seems to spend half of his life on a plane to or from New Zealand, but um whether people like that shouldn't be um kind of pushed onto the bench and, and you know, given their chance above above somebody like Noble. But you know, as we said, it you know, if it had paid off, superb. You know, everybody you know, Dash would have been a genius, but uh, you know, it's just one of those things. So probably
2: best that he's moved on uh, sooner rather than later. Then that's a good way to leave it there. One of those things, Ian Creamer and Ryan Noble, we've got a few comments as well to read out before we do move on. Uh, uh, I don't remember to say it properly, but he says, I didn't think he was any good. He replaced Danny Ings at the end of the Oval game way back and he didn't accept me so Paul says his contract was only until nine, so no harm done. And he did score a hat-trick against Man United reserves, you know. Gank says he can have all the ability in the world, but if your attitude is garbage, you'll go nowhere fast. Um, it is sort of second-hand rumours about Ryan Noble's attitude so we don't want to criticise him too much for it but it does sound like there might be a problem there um, and Ganks says it was a complete waste of money in my opinion um, so yeah Ryan Noble if you haven't heard has left the club today John Gates Gateshead until the end of the season so we won't see him in a Burnley shirt again unfortunately one that didn't really pay off but now it's time for today's quiz which is a Michael Duff special A Michael Duff special quiz <laughs> i think this one's gonna be tricky actually i'm hoping um people have been doing their research so i did make it clear that we we're going to have a little bit of a michael duff quiz today we've got five questions on duff and then a little a little exercise type thing we'll come to as well um we'll we'll the topic for that actually yeah the quiz, and um, we want to do a mix. Michael Duff, Burnley 11, all the players that he's played with since joining the club in the summer of 2004. He's in his 10th year at the club, so plenty of players to pick from. And obviously, Michael Duff will be a part of that team. You can't just pick a team without Duff in it. That would be a bit unfair. So we want a team from you of all the different Burnley players that have played with Michael Duff in the last 10 years. You should be able to get a pretty good team like that, so it'll be interesting to compare them later in the show. But we'll do the quiz first. And question one. Um, is a, is the a nearest the ball question we'll go through the panel and see who can get the nearest on this one, um, question one is Michael Duff signed for Burnley almost 10 years ago now but how many appearances in all competitions has he now made for the club, we'll start with you James Bird, what is your guess how many appearances Michael Duff like
3: 450
2: 450 says James Bird, Robbie you going higher or lower than that? What's your guess?
4: Sorry, what did James say? we? What did James say? What is Santa? James said
2: 450.
4: What, um, I think it's about
5: 350.
2: What about you, Thomas? What's your guess?
5: Um, I'm going to go about 250 instead. I don't remember
2: been all that ever present as he is now, so I'm going to go 250. Adam, I hope you're keeping note of these because I've already
6: lost track of who said what. What about you, Nick? <laughs> what's your guess? Uh, I'd have to say about 290.
2: 290, that's not a bad shout. Ian, you're the last to guess.
1: Oh, I'm going to go uh, a nice round 300, I think.
2: Well, there were, there were some good guesses there and some bad ones, but the closest answer has actually come from Ronan on the chat. He said 314, and the correct answer was 316, appearances Michael Duff's made. So, on average, about 30, 32 or so a season. He's obviously missed some time with injuries at various points in his Burnley career. Three, Duff. It was miles like 450. He'd have to be ever-present for every season. Mental bird. Malzai, Malzai. Question two then, in that 316 appearances, how many goals has he scored? This is obviously a much lower number and we'll go the other way around this time. Ian, you get first guess. How many goals has Duff scored for Bowling? Well,
1: I'm going to go with uh,
2: eight.
6: Rick? Uh, Four.
2: What about you, Thomas?
5: Uh, I'm going to go up for to three. Robbie?
4: um, be about six, I think.
2: And James Bird, anyway, how many goals has Michael Duff scored for Burnley? In all competitions, this is.
5: Oh, ten.
2: You're overestimating Michael Duff's ability again, well, though, I'm afraid. not had any correct answers, <laughs> I, I was surprised it was fewer. Saw so a lot more in days, but the correct answer, which wasn't guessed by anyone or anyone on the chat, actually it was seven. Seven goals for Burnley. Um six in the league. If you said six, you can give yourself half a point because he scored six in the league, but it's seven in all competitions. Um, next question. Question three. Halfway through the quiz. Who did Michael Duff make his debut against and what was the score? This is a tester. Can anyone think back to Michael Duff's first appearance? i can tell you, it's the start of the 2004-2005 season, if that helps. I'll throw this one open to the panel. Feel free to jump in if you'd like that to guess. true. <laughs> It is a tricky one. I thought the quiz was going to be a little bit difficult. Can we get a guess from anyone out there? Someone must be able to have a crack at this.
5: I'll say... Go on, sorry. Uh, Sorry, go on,
2: on, Thomas. You were there first, I think.
5: Um, I'll say we won 2-1 at home to Sheffield Wednesday. You've got the right city, but the wrong
2: club and the wrong score but you're nah. almost right on one of them. Robbie, what were you about to say there?
4: I, I was going to say it with Crystal Palace, but it's not.
2: No, Sheffield United was the right answer, actually, at Turf and the score was one all. <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Adam's loving these <laughs> new sound effects today on the podcast. <laughs> Paul actually got that one right on the chat, so congratulations to Paul. He said Sheffield United <laughs> got the correct answer there. Question four, we're getting towards the end of this one now, and I'm not oh. sure anyone's going to get this one right, actually. I think it's a very tough Michael Duff quiz special. We won't do this one again, I don't think. Um, who did Michael Duff score his first Burnley goal against? Those seven goals. Who was his first one against? And I can tell you it wasn't in the league, if that helps. Rick, do you know the answer to this one?
6: I th- it w- I think it was in a League Cup match.
2: That's right. It was in the League Cup.
6: I'm going to have to say I'm pretty that it's
2: United that's right Carlisle correct answer Stato Passo well got that one on the chat as well I don't know where you've got that information from that's a, a belting answer The Michael Duff Michael Duff um, revision must have done a trick <laughs> here in the day there and the final question before we move on to the, the little Duff exercise that we've got ready for today's show what about his first Burnley league goal this was a year later. October 2006, actually. Two years into his Burnley career before he scored in the league. Hull City. And it was at Surf Moor. Was
3: it against Hull, Hull City.
2: Sorry, what was that, James? I think you just... Out Hull City. Hull is correct. James Bird gets the last point.
3: Wake up from my pitiful performance all the
2: others. <laughs> yeah, you made up for it with that last answer. You must have looked that one up. i <laughs> surprised Robbie didn't get really good scores there. He normally does quite well on the quizzes. Suspiciously, well. actually, quiz. Yeah. That was Michael Duff's special quiz. Um, oh, you had as much fun with that as I did. I thought that was great. But anyway, we'll move on now to the, the Duffy 11, as I've decided I'm going to call it. Um, out of all the players that we had... All the players that have played with Michael Duff, since he made his debut for the club in August 2004, what would the team look like? Um, obviously, Michael Duff will be one of the centre-backs for this team because so it would be mean to leave him out in favour of somebody else. Um, we'll go through the panel. Uh, position by position on this, you can pick by players you think were the best or players that were your favourites or players who you just preferred for some reason. Um, just to give you a little bit of an indication of um, the team at the start of Duff's Burnley career. This was the, the team when he made his debut. It was Coining goal, Duff, Sinclair, McGreal and Kamara was the back line. Ian Moore, Micah Hyde, Richard Chapel, and Tony Grant, and Graham Branch and Robbie Blake. So that was his team for the first game. And obviously the most recent team against the Oval was Heaton, Shackle, Duff, Trippier. Mark, Arfield, Tracy, In, and Volts. So they're the sort of players that you can go for. Um, we'll kick off with goalkeepers. I think that's always a pretty good starting place. Um, Adam, have you got some more music for this section of the of the quiz?
5: <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> oh
2: yeah, yeah. That is, that is horrible. <laughs> just enjoy it. Right, we'll start with goalkeepers then. So essentially, we, we're we asking for you think was the best goalkeeper in the last 10 years for Burnley. We'll start with you, Ian. Who's the goalkeeper for your Duffy 11?
1: Well, I think it's, you know, in terms of who's the best and who would be my favourite, I think it'd be too different. But I think Eaton looks like he's probably the best uh, in the last 10 years, I would say. Uh, and I think The Beast would be my favourite just for, you know, those... Brilliant nights nice at uh, the likes of Chelsea. So, But I think I'd probably go with Heaton.
2: What about you, Rick?
6: Yeah, I would have to agree with Ian regarding soldier uh, and just the fact that he was in the team that got to the Premier League. But Heaton for me. Are
2: you going to make it a clean sweep for Tom Heaton, Thomas? Your namesake?
5: Uh, I think so, yeah. I think from what I've seen so far, I I can't really. I mean, I've been kind of racking my mind for a few others, but I think Heaton's probably the best.
2: It's it's made a couple of mistakes recently that James Bird was describing as howlers on Twitter earlier in the week. He said, Tom Heaton's made three howlers. Robbie Kopak, your favourite goalkeeper in the Duff era, who's your goalkeeper for this Duff 11?
4: Uh, i go to Tom Heaton too. I don't think there's really any contest. Just maybe Brian Jensen, but Tom
3: Heaton for me.
2: I'm guessing, James Bird, that you're not going to be voting for Brian Jensen.
3: Definitely not Brian Jensen, no. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to go against the grain. I'm going to pick Lee Grant.
2: Well, it doesn't matter who you pick because everyone else has picked Tom Heaton. So Heaton is the goalkeeper. Um, Michael Duff obviously will be centre back. But right back I'm going to pick Duffer at centre back because it's obviously his best position although he has played at right back quite a lot for the club I think right back could be a clean sweep as well we'll start with you again Ian candidates for right back you've got players like the current incumbent Kieran Trippier Tyrone Mears as well
1: yeah um, it'd be close for me between those two actually I thought Mears looked very very good at times I think could be a bit fragile sometimes but um, yeah again I mean yeah, not just wanted to go with most recent, um, but I would say Trips is probably would probably be the one for me.
2: I can't see another winner for this, but we will um, go through the formalities. Rick, you're right back for the Duffy 11.
6: Yeah, I'm going to have to again agree with Ian, and it's it's got to be Kieran Trippier just for his consistency.
2: Outstanding goal that he scored against Huddersfield, by the way, absolutely brilliant goal. And Thomas, you're right back. Uh, yeah, Trippier for me as well, I think. I think this one could be a clean sweep. Robbie Kopak, you in agreement with the others?
5: Yeah, Kieran
2: Trippier for me. And Finally, James. Um, yeah,
3: I'll go for Kieran Trippier. I was really go- trying to go into the grain, but I couldn't think of anyone else.
2: <laughs> I-, I was trying to remember if Dean Westover overlapped or not, but I don't think he uh, did. And...
3: He was going to be my option, but I think he left the season before.
2: Yeah, I think that's right, actually. So, Kieran Trippier gets the place. Our team so far, then, looks like Tom Heaton in goal, Kieran Trippier at right back, and Michael Duff at centre-back, which is basically the current team. It will be interesting to see if that keeps up for the rest of the team. So, now, we need someone to play with Duff in the back line. Um, Various players, actually. Centre-back's a really strong position we've got. Going back right to the start of Michael Duff's time at the club, there was Frank Sinclair, John McGreal, Gary Cale as well, I think. When he came on loan for that season, um, Jason Shackle at the moment, Clark Carlisle, Stephen Caldwell, lots and lots of places to choose from. So we might get some more variation this time. Ian, up to you to kick us off then. Do
1: you know, until you mentioned Cahill, I hadn't really thought about loan players. Um, obviously, I think he was, he was excellent. But my original choice, I'll stick with it for now, was actually Clark Carlisle, thought he was tremendous in our promotion season.
2: Clark Carlisle, of course, former known and ever podcast guest and man of the match in our promotion-winning match. Um, Rick, what about you then? Your about to play with Michael Duff.
6: Yeah, I'm, I think I'm following Ian's trend here again. Just I'm going to choose Clark Carlisle for just his consistency during the promotion season and in the way that he played at Wembley as well.
2: Great bloke as well, Clark Carlisle. And also, you've got someone to do the post-game press if yes, you've got Clark Carlisle in your team. Thomas?
5: Uh, I think I'm going to go with Gary Cahill. Uh, I remember when he came in that season and I think he ended up with our Player of the Year award that year. Um, and I think for just such a young player at the time, I think he was, he was outstanding. Really. So, I'm going to sit with him. What about you, Robbie? Who does your vote
2: go for?
4: I'm for Gary Cahill too. Um, I thought you were a not in... His loan spell with us and what he's gone on to achieve in the rest of his career uh, in the Champions League and playing for England. I'm going to go with Gary Cahill.
2: I think Cahill, in terms of um, sheer quality, would be there. Um, James Bird, then casting vote essentially, if you can hear us, I know your connection's been a little bit dodgy, but your choice to pick the centre back to go with Duff is between Clark Carlisle and Gary Cahill.
3: Well, it's not really. I could pick anyone I wanted and you'd have a tie and that would ruin it all. Um, But even before you If
2: you you want, James, you can go for somebody else and that gives me the casting vote. So do what you want. I
3: I, I did toy with the idea uh, of Wayne Thomas just for a joke. But uh, (laughs) I'll go for Gary Cale. He was going to be my original choice. So Gary Cale.
2: What about you, Adam? What would your vote have been? We could have gone further on this actually.
7: Uh, My vote would have been for Clark.
2: Oh, oh. Well, let's see. It's 3 all then. I and mean, I'm going <laughs> to vote for Kale as well. So Kale does win. Gary Kale and Michael Duff is our centre back partnership. And I thought Shackle would have got a couple more So We've got a couple of votes on the old chat for Jason Shackle. But maybe people just didn't want to name the current team, which it was like it was going to be. Court. <laughs> let's, let's not mention Leon Court. And the Ryan Noble saga has actually been cleared up with a tweet from the official Twitter account that I am now reading on my phone. It says, Ryan Noble's contract with Burnley Football Club has today ended by mutual consent. So that's that one cleared up. Ryan Noble, no longer a Burnley player, and he's gone to Gateshead. So that's that done left back then probably not the strongest area of the team, is it fair to say, Ian? Go cool, blame I'm struggling now. Uh, I'm
1: trying to think who would I have at left back.
2: Some candidates for you, have got,
1: obviously, <laughs> Danny
2: Lafferty, the current ones, Mo Kamara, Stephen Jordan, Christine Calvinise.
1: I can't think of one there that's, that's not divisive.
2: How um, about Danny Fox? Danny Fox is an interesting one. Um, James <laughs> <we've> got um... <laughs> Jamesy off the wall choice like for the left back. Yeah,
3: just cause I really want to fit him in somewhere. Just for all the the good memories of hearing people abuse him from the from the long side. Um, I'm going to pick
2: Graham Branch for left-back. <laughs> Graham Branch at left-back. This, this team is going to be entertaining to watch, I'm telling you. <laughs> what about you then,
4: Robbie? Um, I'm going to go Danny to Fox too. I thought you had a great left and, um, Yeah, I think the, the uh, free kick is going against West Ham in the Premier League and, just, and that also gets the ball, so Danny Fox.
2: Well, well, at least we'll have someone to take the take the set pieces, even if Fox isn't really highly rated by the Southampton fans at the minute. So, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Uh, uh, Thomas, Thomas, what about you? What about
5: you? Um, I'm going to go with uh, Christian Kalkers, uh, just um, to give the team a bit more of a continental flavour. Um, um, and for the fact that anyone who can celebrate a goal with a forward roll, it's been nothing my have <laughs>
2: Yeah, Christine Calvin has Calvin. scored that, that crucial apple, didn't he, in the promotion season knew that was absolutely crucial. Um, Rick, I think you're the final one on here. Yeah, have you got any thoughts on the left back?
6: Uh, yeah, as you, you said, it's not really the strongest position that we've ever, we've ever had, but um, I'm going to have to say Danny Fox. Uh, just because of the... Um, Premier League season. Uh, I thought he was That's quite solid, quite really, it, although contrary to what the uh, Southampton, fans Southampton fans are saying at the moment, but yeah, quite yeah, solid quite for me.
2: Danny Fox gets the nod then. Probably not a great selection of players for the Burnley left back, but Danny Fox becomes the fifth player to get that place. So the team now looks like Hitting and goal Trippier, Duff, um, Kale, and Fox is the back line. Um, we'll start with the right wing then in midfield. A uh, slightly uh, better selection for this one, this I think. One. Ian, we'll start with oh, right, wing. right wing. Are you there, Ian? We'll try Rick. I think Ian's just left us for a minute. Are you there, Rick?
6: Yeah, um, right wing, I think... Um, I'm going to have to say Chris Eagles, um, one of the well, one of my favourite players, uh, flair players, should I say? I mean, he was quite criticised regarding his um, tackling ability and getting stuck in, um, but I thought, you know, coming from Manchester United under Owen Coyle, I thought he was quite a good signing and quite exciting. So, I'm going to say Eagles,
2: uh, Chris Eagles from the promotion campaign, of course. Uh, we've had a comment on the right wing. Um selection actually suggesting Glenn Little, but I'm afraid Glenn Little was not in the Burnley team at the same time as Michael Duffy had already left. So Glenn Little does not count Thomas, your selection next.
5: Um I'm gonna go with Chris Eagles as well. Um just because I think that out of the out of the time I've been watching Burnley, I think he's probably got the best ability to beat the man one on one. Um especially in the time that Duff's been here. Um uh, say so I'm gonna go with Eagles.
2: It was certainly entertaining to watch Chris Eagles. Robbie, your vote on the right winger?
4: Vote Eagles too. I think it'd be a dream to have Kieran Trippier and Chris Eagles on that right side.
2: It'd certainly be interesting to watch. I suspect that we would probably, probably be a little bit unbalanced if we had those two on the same wing. Um, James Bird, I think we've got you back after a
3: little connection problem there. Who would be your vote for the right wing? Connection problem equals Adam kick me out. But um I'd, I'd pick on the right hand side Weird Eriot.
2: I think we may have lost I James again. Oh
3: yes, right, back but, a now.
2: Carry on. Yeah I said Weird Elliot. Okay, excellent. Um, I I've think people that. might People might try and count Elliot as a central midfielder, actually. I've, we'll I've we'll got, just got two
3: Corks if... lined up for centre midfield. so...
2: Oh, he's he started planning ahead as James Bird.
3: Oh, I've got a <laughs> line-up in my head already now. <laughs> I'm glad you're
2: taking it seriously. <laughs> Ian, final vote on the, the right wing. Hopefully we've got you back. Connection yeah, Yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I, was,
1: I was trying to think about um, whether Robbie Ware could be considered on the right wing, actually, to squeeze him in.
2: Um, you could do. I, I suspect people might say Blake for the left or up front.
1: Mm. In that case, I'd go with Chris Eagles then, I
2: think. Chris Eagles gets in the team then. Let's start with central midfield. Um, we'll do the two at once here because we need to speed it up a little bit. So, James, you've got two Corkers. Who are your Corkers?
3: I'll go for Micah Hyde and Eric Jemba Jemba. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to talk us through those selections? I don't think they need any explanation, really. <laughs> You've got Micah Hyde's relaxed method on the ball, and obviously he wears his shorts somewhere around his shins, uh, which looks cool. Um, <laughs> and then Eric Jember Jember, you know, just had that fall from grace, and I think he then went bankrupt, didn't he? He now lives in like the Middle East.
2: He certainly had financial problems, Eric Jembe Jembe. I think he had a gambling problem. Or something. It went very badly wrong for Eric Gemma Jemba. I'll be quite upset if Tony Grant doesn't get a mention. He's it. one of my all-time favourite Burnley players. Um, Robbie, you'll come to you then. Two central midfielders for this Duff 11. I've gone for Chris McCann and
4: Jack Cork.
2: Are you there, Robbie?
4: Yeah, uh, Chris McCann and Jack... And-
2: we are fighting technology here, but I think Robbie's finally there. Yeah. Thomas, we'll try you. Who about? Who would your central midfielders be? Um,
5: I go for um, Kevin Ball and Dean Marnie.
2: If Kevin Ball was in the time at that time, I think was he? Was that Ball and Marnie Thomas? What about you, Rick?
6: Um, for my central two. I've gone for Wade Elliot and Graham Alexander. I know Graham Alexander was primarily a defensive midfielder, but I, I, I couldn't really leave him out in, in a start that does play, just simply because of what they both achieved together, really, in, in the squad.
2: I think Robbie's selection got lost in the ether, but he's told us that Jack Cork and Chris McCann were his two. Um, Ian, then, we've got eight different names, actually. Um, can you help us reach some sort of consensus on two central midfielders for this team?
1: Yeah, I'd say McCann... McCann one before his uh, horrendous injury, um, and uh, and probably Marnie
2: actually. So I think um, I think those two playing together could be quite sweet. McCann and Marnie in the same thing, it was controversial. Hasn't really worked when we've seen it, but maybe with this yeah, strong Duffy legend,
1: that's McCann mark too, isn't it? And yeah, after he's after he had his knock, I think he was uh, he was a could have been a, a really. tough top player I think and then you know obviously had that bad injury before we, or when we went into the Prem and uh, I think before then he was a completely different player till after it
2: I think that was an excellent point so we are having Chris McCann in the team before his knees turn into glass so McCann and is the central midfield, and we will we are to the left wing. Um, really to hurry this along a bit, so we'll try and rattle through the left wing quickly. James, we'll start with you. Have you got a similarly left field out there selection for the left wing?
3: Unbelievably, so uh, this was a freeway way uh, decision. But, uh, so I'll, I'll start with the two who missed out: uh, Basar Berisha. Uh, we never saw the best of him, but he deserves a mention. Um, Paul McVeigh, just for ending that nineteen-game. Uh, <laughs> losing run but it's got to be uh, John Louis Vauer. oh brilliant JLV quality Robbie
2: I don't think we're going to get anything from Robbie I'm afraid we'll try you Rick Thomas has gone as well I'm dropping like flies on this old Skype call it's a bit of a <laughs> shocker are you there Rick?
6: yeah I'm here I'm going to have to um, be nice and simple and just say Robbie Blake
2: <laughs> Robbie Blake and Jean Louis Valois are, are the selections so far. That's um, a little bit of a comparison there. Ian, we'll come to you next.
1: Yeah, seems I was trying to squeeze Robbie on the right, but on the left, and there's uh, Robbie Blake for
2: me. I think Blake for the left is a is a fairly popular selection. Robbie, we'll try you again. Yeah, um, Robbie Blake for me. Robbie Blake gets the nod on the left wing, beating off the competition from Jean-Louis Valois, who will be an impact sub. I think that would be an interesting way to do it. Um, Jack's been on actually saying Kevin Ball would be a good choice purely for the tackle on David Dunn, and he would have Dean Marnie just because it's Dean Marnie. So the midfield would be Chris Eagles on the right, Robbie Blake on the left, McCann and Marnie. So um, three of the promotion midfield, and also Dean Marnie sneaks in there. So we're on to strikers now. We'll have two strikers to round off this team. Um, James, you've given us some highly entertaining selections so far, um, but you've got lots and lots of good players to pick from for the strikers. So I hope you're going to pick two of the good ones rather than two of the, two of the enigmas.
3: Well, I did think for a moment that maybe I could shoe on Luke... Uh, oh, wait, no. No, not that one. Um, I... I I did think long about this one. could go for the more recent things, but I'm going to go for some uh, some classics um, with Gareth Taylor and uh, uh, Andy Gray.
2: Gareth Taylor and Andy Gray, two big men. Your team's going to be quite direct, I suspect.
3: Well, John LeVol is going to tear the right back a new one. Um, (laughs) Gray and Taylor just have to either tap it in or head it in.
2: (laughs) Brilliant. Lots and lots of crosses. Robbie, what would your strike force look like?
4: Um, mine would be Danny Ings and Jay Rodriguez.
2: Ings and Rodriguez, that would be a very lively selection, rather than the lumbering Taylor and Gray that James wanted to pick. Thomas, I think you've returned from your connection Wolves.
5: I have. Um, I'd be going Stephen Fletcher and Jay Rodriguez.
2: Fletcher and Rodriguez, they would be great. Absolutely superb. Rick, what about you?
6: Yeah, I'm actually the same as Thomas and, and Rodriguez and Stephen Fletcher.
2: I think Rick's the one that we've lost now. Rick, are you there? We'll move on to you, Ian, for the Strikers. Ian doesn't look it either. It's all gone badly wrong on the No Man Never podcast. Um, Adam, we'll have to bring you in for this one. What about your Strikers?
7: Uh sorry, what was the question? Strikers. Um <laughs> <laughs> Pay attention. Too busy uh, choosing background music. Um uh, how many are we going for? Four four two? Um Yeah yeah, two strikers. I will go for Sam Vokes and Danny Ing's because just because.
2: Volks and Ings, so the current two. Um a couple of votes for Ings so far and a couple of votes for Rodriguez. Um Rick, will try you again. <laughs> Who would your strikers be?
6: Yeah, I was just going to, unfortunately, go with the same as Thomas and, and say, Jay Rodriguez and Stephen Fletcher.
2: Well, I haven't been keeping count, but I think Rodriguez, Fletcher and Ings are all on three votes, perhaps. So um, we'll have to pick two of those and have one for the bench. So I think we'll say Ings and Rodriguez to start and Fletcher on the bench. So our team then, Ings and Rodriguez up front, the Seagulls, Chris Powell, Dean Barney and Robbie Blake, Fence, Kim Trippier, Michael Duff, and um, Clark Carl, Danny Fox.
7: And now we've lost Jamie too. This isn't going so well. Um anyone around to speak with me. Jamie, are you back? Podcast, <laughs> Jamie, you you disappeared for so long then. Jamie, yep, I'm here. Did okay. it go wrong again? I'm yeah, sorry. every
2: uh, you you went quiet, so just carry on. <laughs> what, what was I saying before it broke? Uh, I was in full flow. So you know I don't off. listen to you, Jamie. <laughs> well, I, I think I'd run through the team. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit of the team, it podcast today's. A very I think Sky must
7: be just rubbish today. Let's blame it on Microsoft.
1: <laughs>
7: Sorry, lads, I'm back now. is All right, <laughs> now you're back. I see how it is. <laughs> okay, Jamie, can you carry on now? Um, I, I'm here if everyone can hear me.
2: Yeah, I can it's, hear you. Isn't yeah, it perfect? On <laughs> 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 another podcast in terms of connection. <laughs> Um, It's gone a little bit wrong But finally, finally then Before we round off for the day um, Just wanted to talk briefly about Our promotion chances now Uh, We had a good debate on this A few of us on Twitter on Saturday actually Suggesting um, that our chances Might be improved by the fact Leicester have gone on a bit of a run And gone clear at the top Um, But my argument was that now it looks like Three teams for the second place Which is less of a chance than two teams For four places um, so we'll go through the panel on this issue. Um, James, you were adamant that I was incorrect on this. Why am I so wrong?
3: Because you're being incredibly negative. I'm not being Incred- negative, I'm being realistic. You've, you've basically <laughs> written us off on the back of the fact that one team looked certain to win it. But you're not taking into account that it's pretty much a free horse race for the title now. Because, obviously, uh, Leicester are four points ahead of us then keep all these five points until you get to anyone else. I mean, and Derby have lost two on the bounce, so I think they're losing touch. Um, So I think it's between the top three now for for automatic promotion. I think it is
2: worth pointing out that we were talking about this before we played on Saturday, so the table didn't look quite like it did Um, now. My point was Yeah, but I mean,
3: Joval away was pretty much a banker, so... Well,
2: you know, I think that's unfair to Yeovil. I think like all away games are trickier in their own right, but yeah, I'm pleased that we did win it. And I think we've I, I was a good I, show. Was,
3: I was counting the three points, and I actually <laughs> thought that we had a chance of slipping up at Ipswich, and if that had happened, it would have been us and Leicester sort of sitting quite pretty at the top. Um, so I did think you were being a little bit down on our chances.
2: Well, I think the table certainly looks a lot better now than it did.
1: Before I'm sure you actually
3: said um, that second would be a big ask. <laughs> Which is, if you look at the table now, it doesn't look such a big ask, does it, Jeremy?
2: Well, my point was that Le- Leicester was seven points clear at the time. So, if they carry on going like they have been, I think it's their title to lose, although we can keep track and, of course, we have to play them at home so we can close the gap there. However, if Leicester keep going as they are, no-one's going to catch them. That's just the way it is. Maybe so, not,
3: but as you said, we've got if, Leicester If that's the case, that Darby Leicester at carry home. on. The fixtures look great. They look really great all if we players, carry on playing really well at home. All the big players have got to come to us and we've not even looked remotely like getting beat at the turf this season.
2: Well, let's hope it keeps up that way. But my point was that at, at the time, on Saturday morning, it did look like the three teams were chasing Leicester. And obviously, Derby have, have slipped back a little bit, but I think they're still going to have a lot to say about the, the title race, not just the, the race for second. But Yeah, I think it's, it's still wide open. It's still a long way to go. Um, I did want to go through the panel on this, actually, before we just had a bit of a row about it. I think the only thing <laughs> going
3: for Derby is they've got a great goalkeeper.
2: <laughs> I completely missed what you said. <laughs> the connection I went
3: said, wrong. I, I said, I said out of the thing you going is, They've got a great goalkeeper. It was a little bit of a, a fishing line, so one well, maybe to to snag a few listeners to uh, to anti v Grant comments. <laughs> <laughs> it, I don't
2: think it works when you when you point out that you trying to get people
3: some bad. Well, I've had to point that out, for, to, I think, to make up for the connection.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Say something, though. Know. Yeah, by the way, I'm joking. Um, anyway, we'll ask the others before we do wrap up. Um, Ian, what do you make of our promotion chances at this stage? Huh? Yeah,
1: it's still strong. I mean, you, you've got to think that um, that QPR are going to be, um, going to carry on pushing on all the way through the season. You know, the way they're just able to bring in more and more players every every week, it seems, another forward comes in um and you know we're still slightly vulnerable to uh to injuries or whatever but um I just have a funny strange if not horrible feeling that we're going to end up third and Rovers are going to end up sixth and there's going to be uh a very fun
2: semi-final uh oh god can you imagine like 80,000 people going down to Wembley from East Lancashire the police had Absolutely hate that. Um, Spontaneously combust. I think podcast. I hope um, you've enjoyed it, despite the connection problems we've had. Um, What do you make of our promotion chances at the moment? Shades of when James Bird was on his bike and got barked at by a dog. There, whatever happened. (laughs) I think we're just going to have to call it a day. It's it's all getting a bit too much. I'm a bit emotional about the way it's gone. <laughs> I was trying to ask Rick, but then nothing happened. We'll, we'll do predictions to finish it afterwards. Anyway, we'll do predictions to end it. Let's end it. <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday is next for Burnley on Saturday. We will, of course, have the live blog. Um, If you're not going to make it to the turf, Sheffield Wednesday beat Leeds 6 0 at the weekend, actually. And their caretaker manager is Stuart Gray, who was assistant to Brian Laws. So that's an interesting little twist for Saturday's game. James Bird, do you think this one's a banker for Burnley?
3: Well, I think I'll start by saying I think Stuart Gray has done an absolutely fantastic job at Sheffield Wednesday. And I actually thought he was reasonably good for us uh, when he was caretaker and as a coach. Um, but they did beat Reading 5 2 in the season, then got hammered the next week by Derby 3 0. So I think they will scored one more. So I think we'll score one more, Burnley <laughs> 4 0.
2: 4 0. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Ian, what about your prediction for Saturday?
1: Um, I, I worry about a little bit about teams that come at us. Um, and uh, I think, you know, given they just knock six in, I think Wednesday will probably certainly be having a go at us. So um, I'm,
2: unfortunately, I'm going to go with a draw. A draw? But it's a banker. James Bird says it's a banker. Get yourself down the buggies. <laughs> Rick, <laughs> Rick, we'll try you again. Um, I think I've talked over you a couple of times because the connection's been so dodgy. Your prediction for Saturday's game? Uh,
6: yeah, I think you've... The previous game, uh, Leeds are starting Wednesday on down there. Uh, so I think... Coming to the turf, which is not an easy task for any any team at all, uh, to to come to the turf and, and try and win. So I, I think I'm going to go with I'm going to go with a Burnley win, but I think Sheffield Wednesday will score.
2: What about you, Thomas?
5: I think I'm going to go for a draw as well. Um, I just think with the result that they had last week, and I think there's been a few games in the past few weeks where we've looked like letting teams get back into it. Um so I do worry that one week that's just gonna come back to batters us on the back side. So uh, I think I, I can see a draw this weekend.
2: A little bit of negativity on the on another podcast. Back to back wins, a struggling team at home. This this is a banker. James Bird says it's a banker. What about you, Robbie? Final prediction. I'm gonna say we'll win 3-0. Only 3-0. Negativity on another podcast. <laughs> 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 yeah this is just, uh, on Saturday we will have the live blog if you're not going to make it to the surf that'll be hot party. the podcast will be next Monday night one final thing actually before we do go it's been a bit of a, a long one today with all the connection problems as well so apologies for that hopefully it'll run a bit more smoothly next week but we are in the process of putting together a tweet up event which if if you all sounds like foreign language to you. It basically means, um, loads of us who only know each other from Twitter are going to get in a room and probably get drunk, which will probably happen somewhere out the turf. And we are thinking the Derby game on March 1st. I think that is the weekend before the Rovers match. Um, we're not exactly sure about all the details yet. We can't tell you where it's going to be or what time or anything, but we think it's going to be March the 1st and we will have more details on that later. Um, in a podcast closer to the time it, we are still looking for ideas actually on things we can do at this tweet up um james says you wear a little badge with your twitter handle on it so that's something to look forward to um and we'll have some t-shirts available to buy as well i think but if you do have some ideas for things we can do at the at the tweet up in march please do get in touch and also if you want to be a guest on the podcast um suffer with a terrible internet connection like we have tonight and get in touch as well rick and thomas have been on for the first time tonight and i hope they've had a good time despite the difficulties we've had um you can email us blog at none or tweet us none and um, if you want to come on the podcast or if you've got any views feedback any suggestions for anything we do on the site um, but we will leave it there for now thanks for sticking with us it has been um it's been an interesting one <laughs> every week i say it's been the best one yet but it really hasn't been this week <laughs> but we will leave it there and uh, thanks to everyone who's joining with the comments thanks to my guests today thomas and rick their first time on the podcast ian robbie and james have been with me as well we will be back on saturday for the bog and next monday night for the podcast thanks a lot for listening and we will be back next week good night
0: looks like the connections failed us there does it matter I was getting a bit bored of what they were saying anyway. You've been listening to the No Name Never podcast. For more, visit no never dot net, and don't forget follow us on Twitter at no never net.
5: The Talksport fan network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year.
1: As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the talk Sport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.